2: What's good everybody? We got a packed out show today. Before we do, a couple of housekeeping notes. Check out taver.com, T-A-V-O-U-R.com. Beer does not talk until you open it. So we will tell you all you need to know before you buy the beer. Including the beer's origin story, what it tastes like, and what people are saying about it. Listen, you guys know I don't like to BS with you guys. Very honest, very open, very transparent with my audience. This is one of my favorite sponsors that we've had throughout the years because number one i love beer number two it gives me 47 states all in one place two to three times a day they give us a feature beer that is hard to find via the free app and it helps turn your fridge into the best craft beer bar around only get what you want you have total control this isn't a beer of the month club it's a holy shit watch me experience every brew pub there is community Use the promo code VETERAN. You will get $10 in cold, hard beard cash to use on the app after you spend $25. Again, it's free to sign up, and there's no obligation to purchase. Download the app and enter the promo code VETERAN to get $10. Shipping is only $14.90 no matter how many bottles or cans you buy in your crate. Today, Alan and I run through the Los Angeles teams. What's going on with them out there? What do we make about the officiating in the National Football League Not only this past week and week six, but the last couple of years has been pretty, pretty atrocious. We're joined by Arif Hassan from The Athletic to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and the NFC North. And whether or not the Bears will be looking for a quarterback in the next coming years. Shout out to the HTK. And as well, we close out the show previewing the three games of the week. The Bears and the Saints, the Eagles and the Cowboys the ravens and the seahawks and also check out a brand new sponsor in the middle of the show bay bay somebody gotta pay these bills these sponsors are doing well sit back relax take your shoes off stay a while enjoy the show Ah, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. Thursday pod, NFL preview. Your boy Lamb here, ones and twos. Make sure you're following at Veterans Minimum on all social media outlets. And my guy, once again, sort of developing a uh, Cal Ripken Jr. like streak, Mr. Allen. What's up, what's up? <laughs> every week on the pod, my guy. grind. the grind. You know what I'm going to ask you, as we do on every Episode of the pod. Thoughts on the Falcons. This was the first week where I got a... So when does mock draft
3: season start tweet? So that's oh, where, that's shit. What, so that's when you know things God are... God it's like that? <laughs> that's when you know. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of Chase Young tweets, so apparently I got to start watching Chase Young. So, yeah, that, that I think that's where the things currently stand at the Falcons.
2: Man, uh, our buddy, our buddy Taron does some stuff with PFF. He puts together some of the stats for the games of the week, and he already came out with a take. I saw him tweet out about how Chase Young is going to be better than Nick Bosa, who right now we were talking about, uh, I showed Alan one of the tickets that I made, one of the bets I made was Devin Bush to win Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. And you're like, yo, I kind of like that. And then you're like, oh, no, never mind. It's Nick Bosa.
3: <laughs> I saw a tweet last year. They said Nick's going to be better than Joey Bosa. So Sometimes you got to trust the draft analyst. A lot of times they're kind of out of their mind.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but. Those Ohio State defensive ends, all of them seem to pan out except for uh, Vernon Goldson, right? Oh, <laughs> producer Mike in the background. Yeah. Hey, man, look, you guys came off a big win. Actually, call that one. That was one of my favorite bets, Cowboys. Man, what do you make about? I'm a, I'm a big believer in you are who. I I don't think your you, your record could be deceiving. Yeah. To, to quote Denny Green,
3: they are who we thought they were. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And. You know Dallas starts off three and zero, but they had wins over Eli Manning and the Giants, Ryan. No Josh Rosen and the Dolphins, and Case Keenum. Case Keenum and the Redskins, and then you play Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints. Who that looks like a much? I mean, at the time I thought it would be an upset if the Saints won, but now it's like the Saints have won four straight games. It's Hard winning so,
3: prime time game in the Superdome. Good it's a different game. animal, yeah, right? It's one of the most intimidating places to play.
2: Yeah, and then also when you look at um Green Bay
3: was I thought still Green Bay was this point cuz they got pretty much man. I know they scored at the end, Cooper went off, but they got both It, it both. was like
2: 31 to 3 at, yeah. at one point. Aaron they, Jones was just running all the on them. Yeah. yeah. And then um you know like this might be a hot take. I kind of feel like that way about New England too. I Time think New tell. England's They're
3: going to be tested in next 2 months. But people are like when they're going to play like you can see a schedule of Chiefs, Texans, uh who might blank on eagles baltimore cowboys if we're just bashing the cowboys the cowboys look they're gonna still pose a challenge the cowboys will be there uh, in december i don't know if they're gonna make the palace but they'll be there
2: yeah but i i you know they I I got would say, too much talent i would say cleveland would be someone to consider as a team but maybe not anymore uh all right the biggest talking point from the weekend and i would say the whole year so far has been the officials Man, what do you make about the officiating so far? It's
3: almost as bad as 2012. Remember the replacement refs, how bad they were? And it got to the point where the infamous Seattle Green Bay game. One guy touchdown, one guy incomplete, and then the rest came back. That was just a sign, okay, things need to be changed ASAP. Because now we have results being affected. By, but this weekend, I just first start with the Seahawks and Browns. I Look, the Browns are one of the most undisciplined teams in the league. I think we all know that. But just some of the i am never forget. I think Chubb got a screen and he was going to the other side of the field, and like Landry landed. A perfect block, and they called him for a block in the back. Meanwhile, his shoulder went right into the defensive back. I, I want to say maybe it was uh, Tedrick Thompson. but That was bizarre. And then at the Jets-Cowboys game, uh, it seemed like there were six straight plays where a flag was thrown, especially late in the game. You remember that?
2: Yeah, that was a rough watch, man. And then ultimately everyone saw the Monday Night Football game with the Lions and the Packers. You know, that's always magnified on a much bigger scale when you have – like the nfc championship game right mm-hmm. that's the it's the biggest game of the year outside of the super bowl everyone's watching it it's a it's the standalone factor that i talk about with, with from a betting perspective it's the one game that's on tv and everyone's watching what happens you get the pass interference call which i read somewhere that it's less than 10 percent of the pi calls are being overturned like no one knows because in the end of the day it's a subjective call yeah. right what do you think is pass interference what do i think is pass interference and Man, there was a play. You know, I mean, the Giants weren't going to win that game anyway. I'm not going to get crazy, but there was a game, the the game last Thursday. Dude, Golden Tate got held off the line, got held down the field, and then got p.i'd and they just didn't call anything. That's why I wonder, like, if Trey Flowers Monday night I was like,
3: if I was in New England, would they have called this? Yeah, you get stuff like that. So, yeah, I just wish it was more consistent. Because people say, oh, it's the playoffs, let them play. It's like doesn't really matter it's kind of like mma people are like uh if it's a tile fight to beat the champ you really have to beat the champ i'm like no it should be judged as it's like a regular three-round fight it's we can't look at circumstances. circumstance rules are rules so right. it needs to be consistent across the board i don't care i don't care if it's a sunday night game in new england or a month or a sunday afternoon game in miami where <laughs> it's not really professional football at this point but it's just it needs to be consistent across the board that's the most frustrating thing and then you just look at some of the games like i thought the most egregious was Jets-Cowboys. But even that Brown-Seahawks game, like, you clearly saw. That was a fun game, but it just I saw, it like, three or four times. It's like, wow, the Browns are really getting jobs here. And I'll – got to mention, too, Atlanta-Arizona, the game nobody watched. There was a – I think it was a fumble. Isaiah Oliver forced a fumble on Damari Bird, like, the one-yard line. And he, clearly the ball went out before any body part touched the ground. And they were like, no, it's, a, I don't know, some, like, of sacks, So that's, like, another one. It's just bizarre. And then there was a fair catch, or I think – tr- uh, what's the penalty I'm thinking about right now? Uh, fair catch interference. Yeah, when uh, my man Sherrod Neesman, great guy, interviewed him multiple times. He got penalized for fair catch interference. Meanwhile, he's like five yards away from the return, and there was no review. Uh, it turns to the contact, Farrell Cooper made with some D-back on uh, Arizona. So it's just things like that. Like Atlanta, as bad as they are, they probably should beat Arizona. But it's just there's no consistency. That's why I'm kind of over just getting stressed out about refereeing because – just like it's been a constant battle for years and it's like there's nothing like we talked about the challenge rule. That hasn't really
2: translated much success. And now look at this. You know, I think the big issue is that one, the officials aren't full time. Like I don't know if a lot of people know that, but these are all part time refs. Like some of them are you know, I i, I wanna say Ed Hockey was like a lawyer. Or I know there's a referee that's a lawyer, right? Yeah, right. Who well, who is it? Gene uh Stantor- a- a- Sterator. A- <laughs> what yeah, is, what's like, he do? There was another guy who was in law enforcement. The other dude was a teacher. It's like, these are part-time refs. And sure, you have your officiating crew, but Mm -hmm. dude, it's just anytime, anytime a wide receiver gets like, anytime a corner makes a great play on like third and eight, it's like, and he's celebrating like the yeah. pass breakup. I'm like, oh, here comes the flag. We're to the point now I'm shocked if a flag doesn't come in. Right. It and makes just, the slightest bit of contact. Yeah. Dude, it's just gotten too much, man. It's gotten too much. And again, it's an it's a complete overreaction where the NFL really wants to correct what happened in the NFC title game with the Saints and the Rams. And that's really what it comes down to. It was that decision there. We had the overreaction to Again, it's very important to – you need to factor in the primetime game and Cowboys-Packers. The, was it a catch with Des Bryant that changed everything? I man. still don't know what a catch is, man. Uh, I've, I'm i done trying to figure it out. Like It's just like, okay, who knows. You
3: know what the crazy stat is, though? The past three years, the average amount of penalties per game was
2: 15.9. This year, it's 18.3. A lot of games are going into the 4 o'clock window, like – 415, 420. And one of the cool things about football used to be where, you know, the one issue I have with the MLB is you never know when a game's going to end, right? You can't tell, say, you got to go to dinner with a plus one and the game starts at 710. You're like, all right, this game's going to be over at 10 o'clock. No, it's not. You have no idea, right? Where, that's the coolest appeal with soccer. And I know I might be a little biased because I'm a soccer fan, but you know the game starts at eleven thirty, it's gonna end by one thirty. Best.
3: It's awesome. Unless some crazy injury happens
2: or hooliganism. And, and, <laughs> and even even then it's be like, like eight minutes of stoppage time, which right, we're good. Right. It's yeah. still in that window yeah. where a baseball game could end in three hours or six. Like yeah. it's 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 outrageous. So with the NFL, the games are taking longer. Dude. I don't know if this is a hot take and I, and I want to make a marking here on this one. Cause I think it's a very important conversation and I've been on this side maybe because I'm a big fantasy football player and I'm a big, big gambler and, and I love sports betting. It's well documented, man. I think the biggest appeal with the NFL and why I think it's still the juggernaut that it is, is the fantasy football aspect and the sports betting aspect, dude. One of my customers today offered me tickets to the Cardinals giants game. And One, it's a disaster getting out of MetLife Stadium. But two, I was like, man, I really like staying home on Sundays. I have the Giants on the TV. I have the one monitor has Red Zone. The other monitor has, you know, a marquee game, one of the games that we highlight at the end of the show every week. Hey, Chiefs-Texans. Yeah. And then I just love staying home. Mm -hmm. and. I'd be lying to you if I said that it wasn't because of the, the daily fantasy stuff and DraftKings, FanDuel, and my my yearly team that yeah. I'm in. You know, everyone's yeah. in the league. Yeah. And even the betting perspective. Dude, do you think that fantasy football and sports betting has a big influence over the NFL and why people are so into it? Oh, absolutely.
3: has to be, especially DFS over the years. we got to include that, especially just given the contest with DraftKings and FanDuel. So, there's, yeah, there's no denying that, especially because you just see constantly people on their phone checking their app. It could be a Monday night game. Let me see what's going on. I'll like put up the Yahoo app. So... Yeah, it's, I think it's been like that for at least the past, what, three, four years because we've seen the rise. And we just see now advertisements in New York City, just big billboards of just whether it's FanDuel, DraftKings, or just
2: fancy. It's everywhere. You, know, you can't really ignore it. Man, the NFL is in trouble, I think. I really think that a lot of people are getting soured off the game. And I think the one thing that people are still – Going back to it is because of the fan fantasy and the sports betting. F- football is our favorite thing to bet on. Yeah. People think it's the easiest. It's not. It's probably the hardest thing. It's it's the one that we do the most. It's the one we like talking about the most, and because there's urgency since there's only one game a week, right? But man, I think if they didn't have if they didn't have the sports, that's why Adam Silver comes on. He's so pro betting because mm-hmm. he knows how many eyes are going to be on the product in the NBA. Look at UFC, like,
3: before f- every fight, they have the odds. Who's yeah. favorite,
2: who's on dog. Yeah, 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 that's true. And that, that's been going on for years. I remember right. John Annick has always come out. He's and- such a big proponent of gambling. God bless John Anik. Yeah, John Annick. He he was John Anik. He's like, yeah, I'm looking at the odds. He is obviously can't fights, but, like,
3: he'll go hard for the NFL.
2: Yeah. So, man, I want you guys to chime in. At Veterans, let, let us know what you think. If, is, is the fantasy and the sports betting aspect keeping you interested in football? Because, dude, also... I don't know if we mentioned it on the show or where we looked it up, but whistle to whistle, a snap to whistle, the total time that the ball is in play in football, it's about like 12, 13 minutes, depending on what source you use. So mm-hmm. it's a hard sport to sit through and watch. And I love the NFL. I know yeah. I've kind of been slandering them for the last five minutes. Like I love football, but man, as someone that like really, really loves football, it is hard to watch sometimes.
3: Especially if it's like a slow pace, teams just constantly running the ball. If it's not – like a team that's running more no huddle or just taking shots downfield. Like it must be a pain to watch like the Redskins or something. <laughs> Cause it's just a constant grind. They're not taking shots downfield and you're just waiting for something. It's like, oh another first down run. Oh, screen. Just people want to see action. People want to see shots
2: downfield. That's why everyone loves the Chiefs. Or other teams, of course. Yeah, and I think that also goes back to the fantasy. Like people mm-hmm. they always say that don't bet the under because it's boring. Like, right. you're going to root for people not to score. Unless it's like two – like it, it's like the Vikings-Bears
3: then do under because it's just the matchup. You have to look at matchups. But for most parts, I like, oh, why we go under? Because yeah. you got to put – there's always going to be emotional investment. It's very hard to be objective for a lot of fans. So, I can understand it.
2: Yeah, and I, that, that's the thing I always say, that if you could be honest about your team, you could make good money. I wish I would have listened to Alan because I was showing him before we started recording the bets I made on the Falcons this year. Oh, boy. There's a lot of uncertainty going into this year. Oh, boy. Yeah. But, all right, let's move on to uh, a big a big talking point as well. Big trade in the NFL. Man, what do you think about that trade between, well, first of all... Two, I would say. Two trades, right? So Marcus Peters goes to the Ravens. Not a bad secondary now. I thought they were a good secondary. Yeah, but it was. I know Jimmy Smith was banged up. I like him and
3: Humphrey and yeah, Earl Thomas and Jefferson. Oh, Jefferson Dickey's out for the year. So all right, no, actually they're kind of banged up.
2: Yeah, yeah. But but also like Jimmy Smith was either suspended or hurt. At he's the been hurt. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Dude, I think the real issue with Baltimore is just for the first time in years they can't get after the passer. All these years of letting their edge rushers go to free agency, like losing Darius Smith was a big thing, and you know, over the years they lost guys like Pernell McPhee. Or um whom else I miss? Like Arthur Jones. Mm-hmm. Different sorts of defensive alignment, pass rushers. Now all of a sudden they finally have seen what happens when they lose him. Like right now you have I think McPhee's back and Matthew Judo Judo. But I think now they're like the second worst team when it comes to generating pressure pressure. So I think that's the real concern of Baltimore. So I don't know how much is gonna solve their issues getting up their quarterback, but you know, we'll see.
2: And look, I've I've been a... I've seen the Giants win Super Bowls with Aaron Ross and Corey Webster as corners. Mm -hmm. Is it great to have a guy that could blanket someone? Yeah, absolutely. But you always hear corners say, I can't guard someone for six seconds. Mm -hmm. You need to have pressure. And a good pass rush can cover up some of the deficiencies you have in the secondary. Uh And even if you have a Darrell Revis, it's cool. He could shut down one side of the field. But if a guy is, eventually he'll put his hand up and Mm -hmm. cut his route short or cut his route long, Mm -hmm. turn his route up the field. And he can only do so much. And look, Marcus Peters is gambles. Like I thought he was going to be like a top
3: five corner, even though he gambles a lot. I thought when he was a kid, it's like, no, he's still a playmaker that make up for. But now I feel like he's kind of going in a similar route. Like the hall did like D'Angelo hall. When he first was in Atlanta, like he, people were like, wow. Okay. Yeah. He takes a risk. Yeah. He missed tackles, but he's just in terms of being a playmaker in terms of just, you know, at the catch point, this guy just makes plays, but you just the antics, the coverage breakdowns, the gambling, just the more mistakes you make and then the less interceptions or turnovers you create, Chris is going to amount. That's why Hall eventually got traded from Atlanta to Oakland, Less than Oakland, eight games. Rob Ryan's like, all right, I can't deal with this guy. Then he went to Washington, got his payday, did a couple of good things there. But just, I see Peters right now, his career path's eerily going the same way as D'Angelo, as a guy that I think his reputation outweighs his actual production.
2: I think it's always very telling when a team gives up on you. Right, fifth like, round pick. This is his. This is his third team in two seasons. Right, and you look two and and half seasons? Andy
3: Reid and Sean McVay are very, very respected names. It's kind of the whole Brand cooks things. Like okay,
2: Bill Belichick and Sean Payton kind of said you're expendable. Yeah, Yo, I'm sorry, not a more overrated wide receiver in the game than Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I can see. i am trying to think of anyone else. Can <laughs> you pull, can you pull up his salary? He has to be like top ten in annual pay. And he runs one route. <laughs> I'll run a go, 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 and like a drag where I'll catch yeah. a pass underneath. And Unless
3: it's off play, well, he'll run like a deep cross or play action. But you know McVeigh, he always runs those play actions. So like he, but in terms of a route tree, he is very limited. And if you press him, forget about it.
2: Right now, with Gerald Everett emerging in that offense, he's like the fourth option on the team. Right, Cooper Cup's just taken over. Cooper Cup, yeah. Robert Bob, Woods, man, Bob Woods. What's his annual salary? Highest paid NFL wide receiver? All right, that had to be a long time ago. That oh, he's <laughs> eighth. Eighth highest play-wide receiver. I don't even know if he's top 30. Yeah, it's it's it, it's crazy. And I think, you know, he went from... Shit, he's been with three sensational coaches, right? Yeah. Same with Brandon Cooks. I know we got a yeah. little sidetracked, but Bill Belichick gave up a first-round pick for him and then, like, just gave him up, too. Sean Payton. Sean Payton and then McVay also, but... I think it's
3: a good move for Baltimore, though. I think getting only peers... Baltimore... They know how to elevate defenders' play. Like you just see constantly, they're always in the top five. Time. I just think that environment will benefit him, and I think he, he won't be pressed to play man as much. I think maybe he will benefit playing more zone because Wade Phillips loves playing man. They wanted him and, and to leave just to lock people up, and
2: to leave also on IR. Yeah, that's a back-to-back back years goes on big IR. Concern. Last year he came back, but he he missed like like seventy percent of their season. Yeah, I think he went out like week three and then come back to like
3: week thirteen. So, but I think it's a good it's like a low risk high reward it's just Peter is you just gonna have to take a lump sum he's gonna allow big plays but hey in that division it's not
2: a whole lot there in terms of you know passing offenses so we got to mention the guy that went over to the rams uh from a scale of one to ten how surprised are you that his back doesn't hurt anymore mr jalen ramsey <laughs> saw <Salt> zero <laughs> yeah right it's funny how, like, yeah, Jalen Ramsey passes the physical, no problems, and no no signs of a back injury now. It's a now.
3: very soccer-esque move. You know how players, when they're trying to push for a transfer, and then they'll mysteriously have an injury, and then next thing you know, they're on a flight to the city they want to go to. It's like a very Neymar-esque move that Ramsey pulled off.
2: Yeah, so Ramsey goes to the LA Rams. Uh, man, they gave up a lot. Two first-round picks, a second-round pick as well. I think so. I don't know about the second round. Obviously, we know about. But the two, second. two first round. Yeah, picks, we know right? that.
3: Because now, from 2017 to 2021, they will not have a first round pick, and I just don't know if that's sustainable. Like we saw Denver back uh, when they were contending; they pretty much a lot of their talent was came from, or a lot of their star players were either uh, free, big free agents, or they traded for them. And then look how Denver fell apart eventually. I just think there comes a point where you just have to build through the draft, and right now the Rams. I just don't know how they're going to keep continuing doing this because I know, look, Rams in his prime. I think Rams is the best corner league. A phenomenal player, but just two first-rounders and just, I don't know, the Rams haven't necessarily been hitting on draft picks recently. Like, their offensive line's a complete train wreck. I don't see too many defensive players developing. Like, for the most part, it's just players they've drafted, uh, players they either trade for, like a Dante Fowler or sign like Eric Weddle. Like, you don't really see too many Rams defensive players. You don't hear much about players. Like, Corey Littleton may be the one exception. Other than that, what player do you see here in the Rams? Like, okay, this guy's making an impact. He actually got drafted by them.
2: The official trade is two first-round picks in 2020, 2021, and a fourth-round pick, not a second-round pick, okay. in 2021 okay. for a corner. Um, Again, you bring up a good point. Not many wide receivers that scare you in that division, and especially ones that line up on the outside. Yeah, because you look at guys like Ty Lockett, Pettis, kirk but but things could change i think san
3: fran will eventually make a big move like i, I don't know if it'll be in october but i could see them we talked about it, them getting aj green i think Shannon will eventually get like they'll make some kind of big signing but i don't know arizona seattle they don't see scream of teams that would really want to draft or like really invest in like a you know it's like a 6-4 receiver on the outside you know, I know DK Metcalf's big, but I don't see DK, DK Metcalf as good as he is, is still kind of limited. So, I don't know. We're not talking guys like, you know, Odell or AJ Green or Julio. Like, I don't know in that division. It's just, I don't know at this point, the Rams, they just have a lot of flaws. And I'm not sure, as much like Rams, does he really change the landscape of the Rams? Yeah, he'll shut down one side of the field, but I think people know you could run on the Rams and you could test their linebackers and not they lost uh john johnson for mm-hmm. the rest of the year that's a big time safety right there so it's just i think there's ways to break down the rams and we don't know what their secondary we don't know what their corner that's gonna be like because talib's gonna be out for two months and you know who lost is really out back there like taylor rupp i don't know much about him or troy i think hill. troy hill yeah it's just a, teams they're gonna throw away from rams that's the thing at the corner and i know they want to make a big splash but as much as i love him as a player i think this move I don't know if it's gonna pan out in the long haul. I think the
2: Rams are starting to gamble way too much. Do you do you buy into this uh this narrative of the Los Angeles being such a superstar city? A lot of celebrities, uh, you know, the Lakers bring A D and LeBron last two years, Paul George and Kawhi in the off season. There's just a lot of shit going on and the Rams wanna stay I wanna say relevant because, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. Let's yeah. not get too crazy, but you know, the star appeal. And now you look, you have Gurley, you have uh Aaron Donald, you have Ramsey. Shit, you go off, I guess. Not anymore. That, that guy, we'll get to him <laughs> in a little bit. But what do, you, what do you make of that? Because I do think that there's something to that where they want to – you're giving up a lot. But, you know, L.A. is a city that people want their stars. In this sport, though, I just
3: don't think it holds up because there's just so much talent. There's so many positions that need to be filled. Like, you watch that San Fran game, the defense held up pretty well. Like, I want to know what was the big fallout with Peters. I don't know if they just got tired of his antics or just he can't tackle. Because Peters is arguably, like, one of the worst tackling quarterbacks Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Life. He's pretty he's rough. Pretty like him and Asante Samuel, which just bad. <laughs> the two guys just come to my mind. But it's just... In, the, in football, eventually that pans out. Like, you want to build super teams. Like what happened to the Eagles back in 2011. Just, you have all the star talent, but... Just you have one or two major flaws like that. Offensive line is one of the worst in the league right now. They got destroyed by San Fran, and they've been picked on quite a bit over the past uh, few games during their losing streak. So, I just eventually you just have to look at the balance of roster, and I just think you see the best teams know how to draft talent. Like eventually, just constantly rely on big time signs and trades. I think it just catches up to you, and as great as McVeigh is, and great as. Way is and look at that division with San Francisco. They're in one of the toughest divisions in the league now. And so. you know,
2: even even the Cardinals are going to start getting interesting. You know, they're interesting right now. Yeah. yeah, they'll be playing. You know, they're playing a lot more twelve personnel. They got rid of that. You know, uh, I think it's called it's ten personnel where it's like four wide receivers and they like love David. To spread Dunn. the ball, yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, shout out to Kingsbury. He's made adjustments where it's like, yeah, you know what, this isn't Texas Tech. I can't just run this all the time. And they're getting. The tight end more involved. They ran a beautiful play against you guys. Max Williams, the tight end Holy throwback. Holy shit! Shanahan salute. <laughs> oh man, oh my! Shanahan that special, is, man. Yeah.
3: Oh man, yeah. I, dude. It's so weird because Baltimore—they like the place of tight ends. They drafted Max Williams in the second round. They just totally gave up on him, but now he's in Arizona. But yeah, the NFC West—I'd say NFC West and NFC North are probably the top two divisions right now.
2: I'd say the NFC West is probably the funnest division too. Oh, like, it's even fun. even you know like, man. I'm sorry, but the the Bears are boring to me. Were, and
3: Ooh, a defense is great though. I'm i a, I'm a defensive guy, so I to understand. Man, listen, they got, they got lit up by the Raiders. I don't know, I lit up some bit strong. They got pounded.
2: Yo, the ball is on the three yard line. And Derek Carr has to go 97 yards against all that right. defense. That, I forgot about and that. And it's like, come on, man. You know, like Terrell Williams didn't play. He did it with, like, yeah. Josh Jacobs and, and Hunter Renfro. London's a crazy place. I don't know. Things happen in London. That's what I'm going to use this excuse. <laughs> Jesus.
3: God <laughs> but almighty. I love that Bears D. But, yeah, they could be a bit dull. Oh, I think the, still the lines are kind of dull.
2: But, but yeah, but what I'm saying is, you know, Cardinals, Niners, you'll tune in because you're like, yo, the the Cardinals are a fun offense, you know, and, and they're they going to be in all coaches. these. It's yeah, like, they're going to yeah. be in these wild shootouts all the time. Yeah so they're gonna be in a shootout this weekend he Is uh my beloved new york giants are you ready for the daniel's better chance from the crowd oh okay <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna be like
3: a big crowd like are people invested? i guess people are still kind of
2: nah, no no i think i think with daniel jones uh starting now it's it's brought some life to the crowd yeah. um what's up yeah yeah one yeah. game out you know we'll That's get we'll true. get to the, the preview <laughs> there but,
3: but, but oh what's your thoughts about rams yeah
2: so he's he's obviously fantastic yeah um i'm never gonna agree with giving up first round picks for anyone but a quarterback that's just me okay that's just me not even um, like,
3: like a cleo mac i feel like cleo mac's different
2: well jalen ramsey could be that kind of impactful player on defense too
3: but cleo mac snapped the snap right that's the thing like edge rusher right
2: yeah. yeah you know what you're right you're right i'll give you that but still that that was it's a hefty price like like the
3: falcons after they they the Julio trade, you know, two first-rounders, a whole bunch of players, like, yeah, it worked out in 2011, 2012, but then the next two years they won a combined 10 games, and they've kind of floundered. So it just when you invest so much draft picks into certain talent, and then you, you have to draft all the time pretty much. Like, year in, year out, if you, if you only have four or five picks, you have to hit on That's why I think there's a bit of a concern with Chicago. Like, you better hope guys like Montgomery pan out. Otherwise, that Cleo Mack trade is going to lose. Better hope that
2: quarterback pans out. Well,
3: I've kind of sorry
2: that ship has sailed already. <laughs> Yo, if the Bears got a phone call from the Jaguars, and they're like, "Yo, Gardner Minshew right now for Trubisky,"
3: I take it. I was thinking about Mariota. I feel like Mariota should go to Chicago. Just a whole clean. Yo, team. you
2: know who would be sensational in Chicago? He'll never go though. Philip Rivers.
3: Damn, I, uh, we'll get the charges, by Philip Rivers is diminishing. I don't want to say it, but yeah. I want to say, it, but uh, poor
2: fucking guy, man. All this. these guys played fourteen straight years. Plays, tears his ACL, gets surgery. Gets surgery on Tuesday. Plays Sunday against the undefeated Pats, and all he has to do, year in year out, every single day, is a new guy goes on IR.
3: Do you think? Do you think the Rams? How much does this elevate them now? Because right now they're not in the playoffs, and I don't know. We know two teams in NFC West are going to make the playoffs minimum. You know, could they do three? I don't know because Carolina's. Well, American. are you sure though? Because I think now I, I think Seattle and San Fran are definitely making the playoffs.
2: Man, I think there's like ten teams that are, are really in contention for those. But Seattle
3: looks great. San Fran looks great. San Fran, that schedule is light. Yeah. So I just I look at. We those. spoke
2: about that, man. I told you they you might did. be like eight and two after you, ten games. You, you did and and one of the losses I had was to the Rams. I figured the Rams. Mm-hmm. Extra they, time to prepare. think they, they play Seattle like week eleven. Man, that was one of my favorite bets last week because McVeigh. All the the story came out about you know extra time to prepare. Um, Niners in a tough spot playing on Monday Night Football. Granted, they don't got to travel much, San Francisco to L.A., but still, that's a shorter work week because you give your guys off on Tuesday. But yeah, hats off to them. Now going back to Ramsey, the last thing I want to I want to end on, and then um it'll actually segue into the L.A. teams, I guess is. I do think it's a hefty price. I do think that they just have a lot of guys that they got to make decisions on, right? Cooper Cup is going to have to get paid soon. What do you do with Gurley? Do you cut ties with him? Corey Littleton. Corey Littleton. do you want those three-down linebackers. Yeah. And, you know, golf contract kicks in next year. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Gurley, Gurley's fall from grace. Look, I still think Gurley's solid. Is he going to be putting up 30 points a week on your fantasy team? No. That's done. They don't want to do that. One of the reasons why they don't run him at the goal line anymore is because they say that's the most impactful area on the field with the collisions, right? right? It's a lot of, like, lowering your shoulder and laying out for, you know, to hit the end zone. He's great on the stretch runs. Like, they run stretch runs. He picks up seven, eight yards, like nothing. Dude, speaking of stretch runs, yeah. there's a play that Henderson ran last week Ooh. where he turns the corner. And, yo, I I, I want to find the clip. He he tur- He, like, rubs his shoulder off like Robert Woods' is back and turns it off the field. Picks up nine yards. And it was probably the coolest 10-yard run I've seen in like all year. It was just his speed is crazy. And when he came out in college, he was the most elusive back, and he was the best back in those zone reach stretch yeah. runs. did he average
3: like eight yards a carry at Memphis or yeah.
2: something? Um, <laughs> yeah, it is Memphis, but yeah, still, that's, it's Eight it's, yards a carry. I know. That's yeah, absurd. It, it is crazy. So – you're going to have to make decisions, man. And also, when you pay all these guys, what happens is you lose Saffold, Salfold, Saffold, Saffold the yeah. offensive lineman. Another offensive lineman either retired or, or, or didn't Sullivan get his... retired, Whitworth's 38, Havenstein's really declined. Yeah, and it's and, and you, that... know, you lose two offensive linemen. I think that's ultimately what the big issue is with the Rams because Goff seems to have happy feet. I'm not selling my stock on Goff. You are a believer in Goff. I've never really been. I, I I look I think like now Watson right Watson was always in this category for me but now he kind of locked it in mm-hmm. where yo, if you could go into a building and you can out-duel a guy like Mahomes a guy like Brady Rogers and I saw I saw Breeze also and I saw up do that twice last year and maybe you know year to year things change and people might have figured out you know, now we have two years of McVeigh tape, right? And yeah. maybe Belichick exposed them in it's the definitely Super Bowl. Held. I think it started with, believe
3: it or not, Matt Patricia and the Lions. There was that the game against Detroit where golf struggled, and then that led to the Bears' loss and then the Eagles' loss. That well, was the Bears'
2: of, loss it was also, I'm going to give an excuse. Oh, here, no, but it was 28 degrees California, boy. Yeah, that whole team when they go out on the road. But, but the scary
3: thing with golf is he's fumbled every game since that Monday night game against Kansas City. Which everyone says, oh, he's got small hands. But I just think the golf, issue with golf is that it's just his pocket awareness is not great. He holds on the ball way too long. And yeah, there's times where you have to take sacks, but it's still like you have to protect the ball better. Just That's inexcusable, especially a quarterback with his experience has now been in, what, four playoff games? Like it's just at some point. Now, grand. I think that streak will end this weekend because they're playing the Falcons. So, uh, mm-hmm. like that offensive line, it'll, it'll be a nice, nice little uh, one week. Re- uh,
2: uh, it's unfortunate that your team like, has become the get-right spot.
3: Oh, absolutely. Come on, look at the Houston. Houston was calling off that bad game against Carolina. They got Watson took like seven sacks. They only scored ten points, and then they were breaking records. Will Fuller put up like what 58 fantasy points? Yeah. <laughs> so should have had like 70. He got tackled yeah. at the one twice. How well, about last weekend? Dropping, dropping two touchdowns. It's just classic Will Fuller, but.
2: I want to say with the LA teams, but uh, hopefully we can get back to Wolf Fuller because I, I do have an interesting talking point on him. Uh, Chargers two and four, yo. Well, what happened on winnable games? Yeah, yeah, what happened on Sunday Night Football was outrageous with the home field, dude. Did you hear when the when the Chargers were on the offense, the crowd was yelling defense, and you would have thought it was the other way around, dude? It's so embarrassing. Like that's ha- another thing that Phillip Rivers got. I'm a, I'm a Phillip Rivers true I guy. love Phillip Rivers to death, man, but it's just damn. I feel so. Dude, that guy also, like, no home field advantage. Thank God they draft well. Because they do. They do. They they got a lot of panned out. Right? But you know, the defensive side, there's there's studs all over the place. Yeah. And I I also think Perryman is a very underrated linebacker. Like not a lot. And even in free agency, like they brought in Casey Hayward from the Packers who It's one of the biggest bargain deals ever. It was one year five million. Yeah. And you have Packer fans like we have no corns, and we
3: just got rid of one.
2: Yeah, and then the guy became an all pro. It was crazy. So Philip Rivers also its like, injuries left and right. The running back wants to hold out for more money. Pounce, he goes on IR. It's like another guy's on IR. It's just, you know, centers playing tackle. Tackles are playing guard. Oh,
3: Kung has injury. No one knows what it is. Forrest Lamp is, like, their first-round pick. He just started playing. I mean I loved Forrest Lamp. It's, it's rookie year, He tore yeah. his ACL. Yeah, it's just, it's just things like that. It's just, like, no organization deals with stuff like this. Like, no team has six guys on IR by week four. Like, it's just. I don't know, at least they got Hunter Henry back. Hunter Henry looked really good. Just at least he's like the not he's not a security blanket. He's someone that you could really u- utilize down the seam. Like he he makes a lot of good contested catches. Just I don't know with the Chargers just losing to Denver and Pittsburgh, two teams that should be probably picking the top ten to lose two games pretty convincingly at home. Just a bad look. And I just think Rivers. I don't know. He just uh, we've seen the past few years like he doesn't have quite the same amount of arm strength they had. Serious, but you expect it with most aging quarterbacks, but I don't know, just some decisions he's making, he's throwing the ball a lot into traffic. He just seems to be pressing at this point. And I think that comes with just not having confidence in your offensive line. You've seen with Matt Ryan this year, see it with Baker Mayfield. It's just when quarterbacks don't have confidence, they're all line. Even someone like Phil Rivers, who's arguably the most resilient quarterback ever, just it starts to wear on you and you just see the past few weeks. I don't think Phil Rivers played I don't think he's played out well at all at period this season. He just looks like a show of himself.
2: I want to stay with the Chargers because I think with them, they might be the worst team in their division. Damn, the Raiders are over 500. <laughs> we got to show them love, man. Love we got to show them love. I
3: love John. John Gruen's another guy I love. But, you know, I just, I can't, I can't agree with all the moves he's made, obviously. But, and then Denver, who knows? But, yeah, it just right now, they just look fragile. The defense isn't making as many plays. Boston Ingram aren't having the same impact. No, Ingram
2: missed Sunday, and that was True. pretty obvious when he wasn't out there because you know that that defense is special when you have Ingram Ambosa and, and Derwin James running wild back there and yeah. we haven't seen him It's yeah. a big
3: reason why they went on that run last year and like they were really they almost won the division yeah yeah they just and no one really anticipated them that's but in t-
2: well i I was very high on the charges last oh, okay. year, and uh you know people forget they went twelve and four right uh one thing that I always harp on is they were eight and one in one score games and that's year to year those tend to balance out now they're losing those one score games they lost that one score game to the texans right to the broncos also and it's like yeah last year you were winning them the ball bounced your way year in year out those yeah. tend to you know regress to the mean but i think with the Chargers, the biggest issue is man it's just injuries no home field advantage they, they were undefeated on the road last year until they played the patriots in the, in the super bowl in the wow. playoffs. Yeah, because yeah, they, they won an hour ahead that Thursday night game. Yeah, and they were saying like, oh, we, we're kind of used to playing on the road all the time. Yeah. You know, when you have a team like Denver with a big fan base and Steeler fan base always travels well. And, you know, I believe the Packers are going there soon. And they still got to play the entire NFC North. That's yeah. like the
3: toughest division. They haven't played it like just losing these gimmick games between Denver, Pittsburgh. And I think they're very, I know they have no home field advantage, but they've already played at home four times. And it's just a team like this that has to go into cold weather, whether it's, I don't know who they're playing away, but I assume either Chicago or Green Bay. Uh, I, well, Chicago probably is Green Bay's home, but it's just, I don't know how they're going to transition. It's just the constant injuries. And I just, there's not much to be optimistic about, especially because as you know, Bad O-lines don't travel well. That's like one of the most infamous sayings. And it's just now that their defense isn't forcing the same amount of turnovers or just big plays in general that they made last year, just I don't know. And like Keenan Allen's like a monster year, but no one's really talking about it because the Chargers are losing. And and, and Melvin Gordon really hasn't had much of an impact. So I, if I'm a Charger, I'm very concerned right now.
2: Man, uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, has really hurt his stock. Especially when yeah. you look at what he's doing now since he's come back and look at what Austin Eckler was doing mm-hmm. prior to him having melvin gordon come back into the fold yeah.
3: and they're really trying to work with gordon but it's just those screens aren't really going anywhere While we see eckler out of the backpack eckler's just more of a versatile weapon and considering the charges are always playing from behind it limits gordon's impact
2: if i was them i would try to try to trade one of them and i would i would probably try to trade melvin gordon just because of Did the name try, though i know like, yeah. yeah it's easier said than done yeah but I think, man, I think Austin Eckler next year, come fantasy season, he'll be a first or second round pick if he's a starter with the Chargers. Oh,
3: man. I don't know if he get on that workload, though, because you see Justin Jackson was kind of getting to the first.
2: Yeah, but he was getting like 80% of the, the, the snaps in that backfield prior to him coming out. Yeah. And he's a monster That's out true. the backfield, too. I assume you're way more
3: concerned about the Chargers than the Rams, right?
2: Yeah, it also, to be fair, they have one extra win. I do think that their schedule is a little lighter than what the Chargers was, is to come up. Like you said, a, a couple of gimme games. That's a gimme game against the Steelers. I'm sorry. You're on your third string quarterback. And Denver should be a gimme game. It should be. Yeah. When They're you're playing more. Yeah. When you're playing them at home, also. But you know what? Denver, talking about officials, man, one of the worst calls was the Trubisky hit. Bradley oh, Chubb, that was horrible. That was... 15-yard penalty, and then Trubisky, you know, uh, the, the one thing that he could do well is he ex- extends a play, he hits one of the wide receivers on the middle of the field, and then yeah. Pinero, Pinero, hits a 53-yard field goal in Denver, which They're anyone can hit Denver,
3: Denver plays hard. You know Vic Fangio, he's always going to have his players. They, they play for him, but it's just at some point with the Chargers, you, just with all the talent, because you look at these teams, all this talent, it's like, why they can't put together? But I just think the offensive line, just the defense not making enough plays is Really hurt them, but I don't know. I still I want to have more faith in Rams. Even though when you look at, it, I think the NFC is way more harder to figure out than the AFC. AFC, I still think there's a lot of bad teams there. Like the AFC East, kind of irrelevant. Although credit to Bill. Bills, Bills you gotta put up there. But obviously AFC North's a disaster right now. That's the one division, and there's yeah. so much uncertainty in the South. It's just with the NFC. Every division you have two or three teams that you have to acknowledge. While well, the AFC, it's, it's like
2: all right. Maybe there's like seven, eight teams. Man, Bills are gonna fuck around and go like twelve and four this year. Man, I don't know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and and, and yo, know, their their schedule is not that crazy, and they also they have a really good ass defense. That defense, defense is legitimate, they they're and they're critical. gonna keep them in games. Yeah, their offense like Josh Allen is a, Dope fantasy quarterback, I guess. I'll probably pick him up if I was in the league because his schedule was like Already a cakewalk. Did. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Had to cut Jamis. Nice. Oh my god, that guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You mentioned Mariota before them too, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, man, I, w- I would say I'm a little more concerned with the charges because also, you know, golf is what 24. Philip Rivers is 37,
3: and I trust McV- McVay is going to work around it. They're going to work- they'll game plan around this offensive I'm line. I'm telling
2: you, when they unleash Henderson. That's going to be a way that they could re-sign Littleton. Mm-hmm. They could pay Ramsey, Cooper yeah. Cup because yeah. they'll cut ties with Gurley. Right, Dude, and, and they've also beast, lost man.
3: some really good games. Like that Seattle game, they should have won. Is there only hits to kick? Right. Yeah. So right. it's not, game it's not like man. Yeah. It's not like they've been vastly outplayed. The San Fran game was all right. That was really ugly. But look, San Fran looks like a legit good tether. Like I would say, other than New Orleans. I think San Fran's got to be what the second best team in the see
2: right now. I'm kind of upset that I didn't I didn't talk them up even more. I picked them to win the division and. That and the Cowboys going eight and eight, which now doesn't look too bad, were the two that I got the most heat for. Okay, people wow. were like, "Yo, you are crazy with San Fran." I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm like, look, when you go out and similar to what the Giants did, the Giants were really bad on defense, and they spent 200 million dollars in guaranteed money, and they got top edge rusher, top corner, top defensive lineman, and they spent draft picks on the defense, and that's literally what San Fran did, right? Quan Alexander. They uh they get D Ford, Nick Bosa, Rookie of the Year. You're getting more from Buckner and Armstead now because you're not asking them to be 15 sack guys and right. shit because you have Bosa and all that. And, and, and you know, Richard Sherman's been balling out too. Yeah. That veteran presence. Why the spoons looked a lot better. Too. Uh, uh Tar. He's another one. Yeah, they yeah. got a lot of young corners. Jimmy Ward. It's like they were just making plays
3: against the Rams. So uh, yeah, I, I still have faith in the Rams. I just think they have enough talent. And just you have to trust that coaching staff, but. It's just uh, offensive line golf. Those are the
2: two things that you look at. Here comes the money. Here we
1: go. Money
2: talk. Here comes the money. New sponsor for Veterans Minimum and a special, special shout out to the good folks over at Manscaped. Support for Veterans Minimum comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, baby. Listen. What a fantastic, fantastic play on words. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary, that's a bar, skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. I've had my fair share. If you've seen me, I am very, very hairy, folks. That comes from being a dirty, dirty lamb. Of Greek descent, and you don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls because that's just nasty and that's ratchet. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code VM at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job, your balls, and I will thank you later. That is manscaped.com at checkout. Use the promo code VM for 20% off and free shipping. All right, back-to-back weeks. We have another sensational guest on from The Athletic. Our guy, Arif Hassan. Arif covers the Minnesota Vikings, who quietly, 4-2. and two. Arif, thank you for joining the show, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: So let me ask you about the Vikings, because I think Kirk Cousins is one of the more polarizing quarterbacks in the NFL. What are just your thoughts on Kirk Cousins just... As a whole, just as a quarterback, uh, aside what the contract situation is, and I know a lot of times we do need to factor that in. You know, what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins, just as a whole?
1: Well, I think the reason he's so polarizing is because it kind of depends on what game you catch him in. I think inside games, he's very consistent from throw to throw, but between games, from game to game, he's very inconsistent. And so, you know, when you when you see him play against, uh, you know, a, a low level defense, he'll do better against those defenses. Than even some of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. So he'll outperform them. He'll get 11 yards per attempt. He'll string, you know, 80% completion rates. And then you see him against a really good defense, and he'll do about as poor as some of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He'll have a below 50% completion rate. He'll have below six yards in attempt. You know, he'll throw a couple of picks. And so it's very difficult to square this quarterback that really plays, just lights out against some of these poorer defenses, even better than some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, with a quarterback that just can't struggle. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that He's very much a quarterback that needs to play in rhythm, and when he's in rhythm, it's very difficult to find a better quarterback in the NFL. So on the whole, you know, he's kind of an average quarterback. But I think when people say stuff like, you know, you can't win a Super Bowl with him, I think that's kind of what they mean: is that, uh, you know, when it comes to performing against high-level defenses, you know, the goods aren't there. So it, it's difficult to figure them out and break them down. And maybe he'll have one or two good games against those kinds of defenses, and, and that's all you really need to, to to make it into the Super Bowl. But He's, he's polarizing for a reason. He's very
2: difficult to break down. Dude, I think that's the greatest explanation of Kirk Cousins I ever heard. No, I'm not even kidding about the watching him throw to throw as yeah. opposed to game to game because it's so true. And, and especially when you catch him, like, you know, primetime games, he's kind of, you know, a very bad record on primetime. Or just away games in general. Like,
3: last season, when especially when the Vikings are playing, say, Seattle or Chicago or New England, just their offense could move the ball. Would you put it more on just Cousins not making certain throws? Or, look, we know the Vikings' offense line has been problematic for years. Do you, How much do you blame do you place on the offense line, unable to keep a clean pocket for him?
1: Well, I, I think that because it, it kind of works in concert with itself. Like, I think if you give a different quarterback the same offensive line against some of these defenses, you'll see some really amazing performances, uh, you know, like, say, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or whatever, right? Um, But if you put maybe another statue of a quarterback um, behind the same offensive line, you know, Cousins is kind of outperforming, you know, that statue because he's got a tiny bit of mobility. He doesn't have a ton of pocket awareness, but, you know, he's got enough where if you've got a bad offensive line, He's not going to look like a statue, but he's also not going to save the offensive line from themselves, as it were. He's never going to make that offensive line look better than it is. And so, you know, to say, you know, you blame one or the other is kind of difficult because it kind of depends on. The style of quarterback and and what investments you make, I'll say that the offensive line situation is not ideal for him because again he's a rhythm quarterback. You know he's best when he gets the ball out as soon as the drop back ends, and if there's pressure in his face when that happens, very often that's the offensive line's fault, and he can't improvise his way out of it, and so he can only play up to the level um, that the rest of the offense is giving him. So yeah, you could say it's the offensive line's fault, but even if it's a good offensive line and they're up against a good defensive line, you know, how good can he really be? So, uh, yeah, not having an ideal offensive line and it's a below average one for sure. Not a ton of quarterbacks will make that one look good. You know, that's going to make him look worse, but at the same time, you know, he's just not the kind of quarterback that's ever going to make an offensive line look better than it is.
2: I think one of the biggest issues with Kirk cousins is he came into a situation where the expectations were really high and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to be the quarterback to take him over the hump, right? They lose that NFC title game to the Eagles, and then the next year you pretty much bring back the whole roster and you spend all this money on Kirk Cousins. I think with Kirk Cousins, he does have weapons. You know, Thielen, Diggs, two wide receivers, arguably the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the league, and then Dalvin Cook is having a sensational year. Who do you think is the most important person on that offense?
1: Man, that, that is, I mean, important. I mean, obviously, Kirk, but I think when you break it down in terms of, like, weapons, between Thielen, Diggs, and Dalvin, I mean, the luxury of the offense is that you often you don't have to choose whoever's having the best day. You can just go to. Uh, and so, you know, to say, hey, Thielen doesn't perform as well when Diggs is out or Diggs doesn't perform as well as Thielen's out, you know, maybe that's the best way to try and figure out who the most important person is. And it seems to me... That even though every year Thielen tends to outproduce Diggs, I think right now Diggs has more receiving yards, but the past three years Thielen's outproduced Diggs, it seems to me Thielen tends to perform worse in games where Diggs is out or injured uh, than the other way around. And so in that context, Diggs enables more of the surrounding offense to perform than Thielen does, but Thielen tends to take advantage of it a little bit better. So. I guess Diggs is more important, although you wouldn't think that statistically when you take a look at everyone. And I think Dalvin is, is really fantastic. Um, but you know, I, I don't think running backs can be as important as receivers, typically
3: speaking. We to the other side of the ball. Like in terms of defenses, I would say the Vikings defense probably top three, my favorites to watch, but they do have a tendency. I don't know if it's a Mike Zimmer thing where they kind of dip in November, December, they start a lot more big plays. You don't see the same amount of turnovers being created. You, what do you think is the reason behind that? You think it's just more unfortunate circumstances because I know Xavier Rhodes is very injury prone and Everson Griffin has issues last year. Do you think it's more of just I don't know players not like uh, keep maintaining like, a high level play or is it something schematically? Because I'm really curious about because I feel like the past few years that defense has dipped in like late November December.
1: Yeah, you know um, I, I think that that has been a slight tendency, but I think a lot of that has to do with things like schedule because if you take a look specifically at last year. Um, you know, the Vikings actually, their worst performance was actually the first four weeks of the season. Then they played a lot better dipped a little bit, and then they got better again. And they were really, at the end of the year, um, a much better defense than you saw in those first four weeks. So I, I don't think they tend to just fall off because otherwise we would have seen them play much worse last year overall, given how they started. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, they went 5-0 and because they had a bunch of defensive scores. That's not going to sustain it. That's just not sustainable, period. And so that's just going to go away. Um, so uh, I, I think some of that just happen is happenstance. It's schedule. Um, you know, like you said, last year, Everson Griffin, um, having to leave because of mental health absence, um, you know, that, that all plays a role, but I think honestly, and I've noticed it too, but I think honestly, it's just not that significant, uh, in terms of like a year to year trend that you could expect.
2: I want to shift over to that division because I do think it's the most intriguing and arguably the best division top to bottom, especially if you looked at coming into the season, the, preseason projected win totals in Vegas everyone was projected to be over seven and a half wins the only other division that could say that was the AFC South and you're looking at teams that are all above 500 at the moment who would you say because I picked the Vikings to win the division coming into the year because I thought last year was a transition period for that team with Kirk Cousins coming into the fold and uh, also I like looking at some of the narratives coming in and, and storylines as far as you know new offensive coordinator new system that he had to learn who would you say is the biggest threat to that division is it is it green Bay's to lose or is there someone else that is catching your eye
1: well i think in terms of pure talent like if, if everybody got to play each other 10 times the team that would win the most. I think actually is the team at the bottom of the standings I think it's the Detroit Lions. Oh wow. I, and the reason yeah I know it's it's kind of like a weird take but I think the reason is because Matt Stafford is playing better than any other quarterback in that division and I know you know there's a bunch of people who are um, maybe a little bit overly critical of Rodgers, but it's true that in games, Rodgers is really inconsistent. And so some drives, he'll be wildly off-target. He won't be in communication with his receivers, whatever. And he'll string together at least three drives a game that are like pretty amazing and will kind of remind you of who he was in 2011. But Stafford has just been really phenomenal over these past couple of games. And so he might be the best-performing quarterback in the division. And then you take a look at the defenses, and I don't think the Lions secondary is too far from the Packers secondary, that that front four needs to perform better for what it's being paid, but uh, they're they're doing a really good job. So that team has, I think, a lot of potential. But the problem is, if you're a couple of games behind and they are, it's hard to catch up. And, and so I don't know. I don't think they're going to win the division because even if they're the best team, it's not by very much. Uh, and so you've got this five and one Packers team that I think is overperforming. I don't think they're going to perform like that. I don't think they're a five and one team, as it were. But because they have that. You know, lead in the divisional race, they've got a very good chance of just winning the division, even if they're only the second or third most talented team. So it's going to be difficult to say. Um, I think the Vikings are the best positioned to win the division, just because I think they are a little bit of a better team than the Packers. Um, and they're not as far behind as the Lions are in the division race, so they're they're in they're in a better position to win. Plus, the their next divisional games, so besides this upcoming one against the Lions, are all at home. Um, so they've got a couple of advantages. But it's like you said, it's a tough division. They've got the best. Out of conf- or out of division record of any other division, uh, it's like a it's seventy three percent win rate. Out of the, it's crazy, um, and so uh, there's there's it, it's going to be a bloodbath trying to figure
3: that out. It's uh, a two part question because the Bears are one of more uh, not just a tree, but there was kind of unpredictable. One, why can't Mitch Trubisky throw to his left? I'm setting you up for that one. <laughs> and the second one, what do you make of Matt Nagy at this point? Because I feel like he's very much still an enigma that no one could really figure out.
1: Yeah, uh, Mitch Trubisky throwing left is just kind of this funny observation I had that you know, for some reason is borne out, and then and then it didn't bear out. You know, he was able to go off against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense last year, and since then he'd been able to throw left, and then this year doesn't seem to be able to do it again. So, know uh, yeah, I talked to some people. You know, some people think it's not real. Some people think uh, you know there is a mechanical issue at, uh, at display when he's throwing kind of across his body. I know Derek Claussen, uh, at QB Claus thinks there's a mechanical issue at play for him. Um, but, you know, I, I can't say I know enough about quarterback mechanics to say, you know, for sure whether or not it's because his, his lead foot doesn't open up properly when he throws to the left or something. So uh, it is pretty funny. Um, as for Matt Nagy, you know, I think... I think I think well I think he's being held back by Trubisky. You know I, I think that you know he's a he's a pretty great you know offensive designer and play caller. I think he needs maybe a little bit of help as a head coach. You know when when it comes in you know Mike Zimmer's the same way. He's a great defensive play caller, but as a head coach, he needs a little bit of help. I think the same is true of Matt Nagy, um, but I don't think we'll learn that much about him until you get you know a, a, a higher quality quarterback in the building, and so. You know he's done a lot with Trubisky. He made Trubisky look really great uh, at the end of last year, or at least better than he is, and so he deserves a lot of credit for that. But you know maybe his bag of tricks is running out. But we're not really gonna know until he's got a higher quality quarterback to work with.
2: Give me a give me a percentage. You think that Trubisky will stay the Bears quarterback two years from now?
1: two years from
2: now at 15 percent, he's just not <laughs> playing very well man i hear you man i i you know one of one of my my buddies tim who used to be on the show he he bet trubisky to win mvp he spent about <sighs> seven months just chewing my ear out because i was like dude look you know um i was a sensational high school quarterback m- myself <laughs> back in the day uh, Arif. reef <laughs> Uh, tremendous God, tremendous Sunday flag football quarterback also, but I do love the quarterback position, you know, to get a little serious here. And I never saw it, you know. I thought it was a lot of it was the scheme and, and Nagy. And look, sometimes you need to have the wizard in that offense that's, you know, running your system. But bad mechanics, you know, couldn't throw to your left. That was something that I, I saw too. His timing was always off and a a lot of people just went back to that Tampa Bay game. It was like, oh, you know, he threw all these touchdowns. like, yeah, but Tampa Bay's defense was a get-right spot for every quarterback that played them last year. So I'm with you about Trubisky. I don't think he's the answer in Chicago. And ultimately, I think he's the reason why they won't hit their ceiling as an organization.
1: Yeah, and and that defense, I mean, speaking as a, a, a Vikings reporter who sees a defense perform year after year, For most teams, most of the time, a defense is just not going to hold up long enough for you to be able to get another quarterback in there uh, and take advantage of how good it is. I mean, you take a look at how long the Seattle defense lasted, or uh, I guess the Jaguars defense is still all right, but I think we both know that it's kind of hit its peak a couple years ago, and then obviously the Broncos defense, that didn't last. So, you know, most teams, most of the time, they're not going to have that defense last long enough for two franchise quarterbacks to try and, and test it out. So, I, yeah, I think that the fact that they missed on Trubisky in a draft where you have two MVP-quality quarterbacks just sitting there in the first round, that's rough. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, it might be what gets Matt Nagy fired, maybe unfairly. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know, this, this Bears team you know a lot of people thought it was going to win the division It won the division last year and you know, I, I didn't expect them to because of Trubisky uh, and it, and it kind of sucks because they're super talented and I kind of want you know Khalil Mack to like tear it up
3: Reeve last question I'm, I'm just curious what do, you, what do you got in the works because obviously you cover the team I know you do a lot of breakdowns you broke down Stefan Diggs huge game I know you have the pockets let people know especially covering the Vikings what do you got in store in terms of content and for the rest of the season
1: yeah, um, so you know, I've got this piece up uh, about Stefan Diggs, about how he had such a, a great day against the Eagles. Um, I've got a piece coming up about how, how unique the Detroit Lions defense is and how the Vikings will have to attack it. That should be up sometime tomorrow, hopefully. Um, uh, and then, um, yeah, I've, I've got a bunch of podcasts. I've got uh, Norse Code. You can find that uh on stitcher itunes i've got the football machine i've got the straight cash podcast at the athletic tons of content um, but my writing can
3: be found at the athletic and a lot of uh interesting carson wentz takes <laughs>
1: yeah well that's more on my twitter feed than, than yeah i don't think they'll let me write them up but <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's uh, at a nfl if you want somebody who just hates on carson wentz for virtually no reason at all you know follow me on twitter
2: Oh man, there's there's always a guy that you just have an irrational hate for and you just can't explain it. Yeah, I think embracing it though, that's uh that's that's the move. That's for sure. Arif, you're the man. Thank you so much for your time and uh we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me on.
2: Awesome though. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one.
1: All
2: right, let's get into these games of the week. Um I don't know, man. Anytime I have to break down the Bears, I'm kind of just like, eh. you're so down the Bears. They have a fun team. It's just their QB. I think Tim ruined it for me with them. Just because I had to listen to all that shit with Trubisky. You know what the real issue is? It's Mike Smith. I love Mike Smith. That defense, when they allowed
3: six touchdowns on Trubisky, that's when it started. And I think Trubisky had a really good game against the Lions. Other than that, I can't recall a game where Mitchell Trubisky put up like monster numbers. He's like, whoa, okay.
2: Is he even coming back? Do we know? They say it's likely to start. Which Is is that a good
3: or a bad thing? No, because I've been saying for weeks, the Saints have a top 10 defense. The Saints defense, what they've done at the defensive line, Davenport's emerging, Rankins is back. We've been talking about Trey Hendrickson developing over the past few weeks, well, since week one when he beat Tunsil for the key 3rd on sack. I love everything about Cameron Jordan, one of the most versatile defensive line. The their D-line is Scary good. Like I think it's starting to really terrorize teams. And their secondary. So, quietly, Eli Apple's having a solid year. He is. Marshawn Lamar's doing a son saying. of a bitch. Marcus Williams. Everyone wants to talk about the tackle. No, he's a really good player. He's a playmaker. And Von Bell is a solid. Just, yeah, the linebacker's a little bit iffy. But that defense. I've been talking about Dick New Orleans, okay, they got torched by Houston. Houston's going to torch a lot of teams. But they've really drafted well. Yeah, they've taken a few games. But between drafting well and a couple of low-key, savvy signings, I think they've really put together a top unit
2: camara questionable um latavius murray has not been playing too bad if you look at the pff grades shout out to Taryn, uh sending us this information so he has a pff grade of 75 this camara but the backup tavius murray 72.1 so the drop off is not that crazy if you're looking at it from that perspective i saw they signed zach zenner Oh, my God. Thanksgiving legend. <laughs> well, Sean Payne's going to devise a few screens for him. He'll make it happen. They should bring, like, up. Pierre Thomas out of retirement. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pierre Thomas. Jesus. That's a throwback. Um, look, th- these are two good defenses going at it. Uh, two teams that should be talked about come December in the playoff race. Uh, man, the Saints are hot right now. Four straight wins, all without Breeze. Um, Breeze comes back healthy, he steps right in, yeah, yeah. With that, it's one of those situations where because I always talk about this in the past where if it's Matt Moore coming in for Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, dude, you could go six and oh, like Rodgers is it's gonna be his team, but you know, I think Carolina, I don't know, man, if I would go back to Cam. I'm go- 100% going back to Cam. Yeah. I you know, know for, I, I feel like he's, get, he's gotten a bad rap. Like, he wasn't that bad last year until... Dude,
3: Cam was MVP, candidate First eight weeks. Yeah. They were 6-2. Yeah. He had, like, 73% completion percentage. I think, like, 15 touchdowns, four picks. Just that with Thursday night game, at Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Pittsburgh game. Really and then just- they just nosedives. So, no, I'm not... The whole Cam discussion is just roll your eyes at. Greg Olson went on uh, some Fox Sports 1 show today, and he's like, no, Cam's a guy. Like, enough's enough. So he just needs to get healthy, man. He can't. That's it. So And the same thing with Breeze, especially given that New Orleans, their infrastructure. Like, I think just in terms of their offense, uh, there aren't many better offenses playing because that O-line won the premier units. There's not a weakness there. Then you have Michael Thomas, who the guy who can make any catch. Like Michael Thomas is, I think, one of the best contested catch receivers in the league. You can always rely on him to get open. Then you have vertical threats in Ginn and Trey Smith. they're finally getting Jared Cook more involved. It's just... I have Sean Payne, just everything's comfortable in New Orleans. That's why even a game like this going against arguably the best defense league, you know Teddy, he's going to make enough smart decisions. All right, losing Kamara not playing could be a problem because this is a game where you want to check it down a lot. Like, I see this being a, that kind of a classic game. But I just, I think in terms of teams you want to be the quarterback for, New Orleans is up there because you just know you're going to be comfortable.
2: Chicago uh, coming off a of bye week. You know, they played that game in London. Kind of got embarrassed by... The, well, I don't want to say embarrassed because the Raiders are, you know, they're above 500. They got humbled. They did get humbled. Yeah, they got they checked. Got down you know, 17-0. Yeah, Khalil Mack also kind of got humbled because that was a big revenge game. Um, You see, with this game, the thing for me is... Has Trubisky won a big game? And if he comes back and starts, like, this is...
3: I'm. How you you define big game? Like in terms of just like opponent wise. Like has he had? Does he have a? a, Swept the Vikings last year, but I would say that was a large part because that defense was so dominant.
2: Yeah, you you know they had all those kick returns and punt returns and pick sixes, fumbles to the house. Like Eddie Jackson had like a legit streak at one point where he was just. Yeah, and you know we just had a a refund, and he mentioned it too. How like you know year to year, you can't bank on these defenses to be this dominant this exception all the time like eventually they come back down to earth so I think with this team though I'm gonna go with the Saints in this game I think that continues and man you know I couldn't be more wrong about them when they lost Breeze I thought it was gonna be a wrap but you know that first game against the Seahawks I didn't buy into it because Teddy Bridgewater if you look at the average depth of target the A dot stuff it was like 3.4 yards Uh, they also benefited from a defensive score and a kick return or punt return it was a special teams touchdown yeah. Seattle, Nevertheless, man. yeah and you know before you know it, it was 14 nothing it's like yeah all right you know so uh, i'm going with the saints here again if, we, if you're looking at it from a record perspective yeah it's a marquee game of the week but for me it's you know it's not going to have a special spot on my tv layout this weekend i think it's a fascinating matchup but given that chicago's
3: offense you just don't know what to expect from at this point and given how good the Saints defense looks, like I'm pretty comfortable taking New Orleans here, even though the game's in Chicago. I think if Chicago's going to win, that d line's is going to have to take over. Akeem Hicks, which is actually a revenge game. People forget Akeem Hicks was on the Saints. He was drafted. Then he went to New England. Belichick shockingly missed on him. And now he's in Chicago. He's one of the best D-tackles in the league. Him, Clement, they're really going to have to get after it defensively because it's hard to see the offense score more than... I'm being generous. 17 points. I don't even think they could score. They barely could get a double figure. They're gonna need a few explosive plays, unless maybe Tariq Cohen could break some. He's always the X factor for me. When I watch Chicago, if they could somehow get Tariq Cohen involved, get him five, seven targets. You know what? Robinson will make a couple of plays, but if they could get Tariq Cohen on Premier, get my against a linebacker, he could do damage. But now I'm pretty comfortable picking New Orleans. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Really? Yeah.
2: Even absolutely. even better than San Fran? Yeah. I don't
3: know if I agree with that. I'm comfortable in New Orleans, man. They're just, you can always depend on them.
2: Well, they've had one
3: loss, and that was the Rams game. And that was when Brees got hurt. Other right. than that, they've won a lot of games comfortably. Like, all right, that Dallas game was one possession, but you kind of knew they were going to beat Dallas. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, were they were dictating that game. Yeah. Yeah, And they made Dak very uncomfortable. Dak is making himself
2: very uncomfortable. Yeah. And, so. I th- and
3: I thought the Seattle game was kind of, was kind of a statement win. Because people were kind of uncertain them. They go to Seattle, and once again, they won very convincingly. And All right, the Texas game, they got kind of lucky. But still, it just, I just think the Saints are loaded, and you just always could trust that coach. Yourself. I think Dennis Allen gets a bad rep from everything I have in Oakland, but he's he's quietly putting together a solid state. He's always blitzing. He's another one of those defense guys loves to blitz. Yeah. But with that defense and just the versatility they bring, like Davenport's really coming along. I know they uh, giving up a first round for him was kind of sketchy, but look, uh, when you could get an edge rusher, and he's someone that's bringing consistent pressure that makes a huge difference especially when he's not your number one man Like Cameron Jordan's your number one and then you got Davenport Hendrickson and Rankin is just I love what they're doing the defensively and then offensively you know Teddy B's not gonna make mistakes that's a big thing that's the reason why I like him so much over Chicago because you know Travis is gonna make two or three errant throws well Teddy B he might make one but you know he's You're being kind with him making
2: only two to three bad throws I'm being kind of general today <laughs> yo that guy sucks I'm sorry my bad he's awful I cannot. Like they'll be, they'll be drafting a quarterback within two years.
3: They might trade for one in a week. <laughs> yeah, I'll trade for Rivers.
2: Trade for Rivers.
3: Uh, I was. I, we were talking earlier, man. I think Mariota would be an interesting fit there. I like to see because they run, run a lot of RPOs. And I think Tribis, uh, Trubisky, I think Mariota. He he plays within his limitations. He doesn't make too many errant throws. It's just he just needs to make enough throws.
2: Yeah, Mariota doesn't like. He doesn't put. He, he needs to change of scenery. Yeah. Man. When I think of Mariota, I think two hundred and seven yards. Like yeah, that's right. like his like. I know he's had bigger games, but to me, that's his ceiling. Like he's just a guy who, and he's not going to make mistakes. I just think he needs to change the scenery. Yeah, that's fair. You know, also, I'm a big believer in your your coaching staff and offensive coordinators, dude. He's had like five different coordinators since he came into the league. Yeah, because Lafleur left. I don't know who their offense is like the tight ends coach. But even when you go back to his, you know, Chip Kelly. Leaves and then I don't even remember who that guy was, but he had a new coach there. And then every single year with Tennessee, Ken a-
3: Witten Wittenhut was the coach. And then I don't Wittenhut Wittenhut Yeah. You. And then how just Tennessee such a I want to call them a wasteland. It's Just they're such a bizarre team. Like I don't know what to make of them at this point. They have a stout defense, but. Yeah, I'd like to see Mario given another chance there. So I saw him mention um, Robert Mays, the ringer uh, writer, one of my favorite writers. He's a Bears fan. They mentioned, like, would you pay Jameis Winston to be like $20 million in Chicago QB? He goes, dude, I'll take Andy Dalton at this point or Trubisky. I'm just like,
2: what yo, would be the you, worst move. Yeah, I, I don't know if we mentioned it on here, but the two minute drill question, it's like, yo, your life is on the line. And one of these three quarterbacks. I have, think we did Cousins and Trubisky. Yeah. Who's the third one? Dalton. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking Two Cousins. <laughs> Josh, our buddy Josh, is a big Redskin fan, he was like, "Dude, just end me, <laughs> he was like, just put me out of my misery, man. I can't, I can't have to do, deal with this." Uh, so you're going with the Saints as well? Yeah, definitely Saints. All right, let's move. You know, we we touched a little bit about the Seahawks. They're going to play the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, man, I think Russell Wilson had his MVP moment last week. Down twenty to six on the road. There's been the track record. I remember I spotlighted this when I did the thirty-two for thirty-two series on the Seahawks. They're not a good team when they come east to play that one o'clock time zone. But now they're 2 0 in that situation. And is this game in Baltimore? It's in Seattle. It's in Seattle. The Earl Thomas Ooh. Revenge game. I, dum, dum, dum. I'm a sucker. Put your middle fingers up. I'm a sucker for revenge games. Man. And this is a
3: big one. Like, if you saw his interview with Justine Anderson, he goes, I have not spoken to Pete Carroll, I've not spoken to the Seattle organization since that trade. Like You know, there's still a lot of bitterness there.
2: Man, that guy bowled out for them, and and for it to just—he seemed like a lifer.
3: He really did. I, that was the one—I know the whole legion of boom, but him and Bobby Wagner seemed the two guys that would hold it together, right? And-
2: yeah, because also when you look at the draft capital, those were—well, I don't think Bobby Wagner was a first-round pick, but I know Earl Thomas was. Yeah, Earl Thomas was. So, all right. Is Russell Wilson your pick to win MVP at this very moment? Isn't yes, MVP? even though I think— Last week wasn't even as bad. I thought he was
3: better, actually, against the Rams. I thought that was more of a complete game. I thought he missed a couple of throws in Cleveland. Nevertheless, he still made a tremendous amount of play. Like, Russell Wilson just this year. In terms of making out structured structure plays, him and Deshaun Watson are just on another level. Like, when, when they get outside the pocket, anything's possible. What about
2: the guy that's on TV right now? Well, Mahomes has this thing, but I'm
3: saying, like, out of the pocket. Like, Mahomes, don't get me wrong. Like, he makes some insane plays. Oh, yeah. But it just seems like when Russell Wilson's on the move and Watson, it just, oh, my God.
2: The possibilities are endless. It seems like he has a giant chip on his shoulder this year because, you know, it, there's always been a story about him as being a quarterback who's protected by, you know, they love to run the ball in Seattle, right? They were the number one rush team last year as far as like the amount of carries their running backs had,
3: even more than Baltimore, because this is the two games are the two running right, heavy right, right. run
2: heavy teams, and also you know you had the L O B all those years ago, so. It does seem like Russell Wilson got paid in the offseason. They they put some, you know, uh, Gerard Brown is scoring touchdowns left mm-hmm. in right now. Now, they do lose Will Disley, which I think is a big loss for them because he was starting to emerge for them as another weapon that you could Bobby trust. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to see Russell Wilson against this defense because he's not going to get pressured much. And now you get Marcus Peters over there. You get Earl Thomas roaming around, and he knows Russell Wilson probably better than anyone that's in this game right now, not wearing a Seahawks jersey. So I'm very intrigued by this. I, I really like Chris Carson. I've liked Chris Carson so nasty from you know that he came onto the scene a couple years ago, and then like he broke his leg on that uh, was it a Thursday night? It was a primetime game. It was against the Colts. I remember, and then they went out and they spent the first round pick on Penny, and I did not like that move. Not because I didn't like Penny. It's because I just liked Carson so much, and
3: just running back in the first round is come on, you never know.
2: Man, yeah. Well, you know that they'll be solid for the most part, but I just think that if you had Carson, I would have been comfortable with going Carson. Dude, just
3: I never see a running back more elusive and more violent. Like, you know, running backs are just either they're violent or elusive. He's both. Right. Like, you see some of this, he just runs with such aggression. Like, he has that couple of nasty stiff arms. The, the last two games, the Rams and the Browns, you just see just running with the edge. But then there's times where he'll hurt all over the, like, that game against Denver opening weekend last year. Uh, he just hurled over a linebacker like he's just such a freak. And I, th- I don't, I, he's another one of those running backs. I don't think gets the credit these deserves. But at this thing, Seattle's offense in general, like Ty Lockett's such a dynamic player as well. And then you got DK Metcalf. Just they're really building something there. And I think. Part of the reason why you see Russell Wilson playing with Chip on shoulder that Dallas game was very winnable. They really let that go last year. When you think about it, they were just so conserved, running on first and second constantly. We watched that game. We are just like, what are they doing? I saw people like, all right, Brian Schoenheimer,
2: get out of the league. Like, We, we don't need well, this. Well, also, I know uh, my buddy Boss remembers this. They lost Janikowski in that game, and that's ultimately oh, why they were going for two on all those conversions. Yeah.
3: But we saw during the game, like you could be more aggressive. You're Russell Wilson. like Stop running on first and second and down. Like, that game was so painful to watch. You had two coaches that were just way too conservative. So, I think that's why. Because you look at that game, I think they could have won it. And then they would have played the Rams. And then Seattle always plays the Rams. Well, like, they kind of lost the run. And, like, we see with teams. I know Seattle's built uh, – they're one of the most – I would say one of the most stable franchises out there, like, year-in-year year out there competing. But it's just you never know when you're going to be back in the playoffs. And I think that was kind of a missed opportunity last year. Even though they overachieved and their roster was kind of limited – they still should have beat Dallas. And who knows what happened in this Rams. So I think that's part of the reason why Wilson has a chip on his shoulder. Besides being a guy that uh, kind of always is kind of under – not under preacher but he's kind of written off just given his height. And just
2: people always say, can he make enough throws? It's like, he's Russell Wilson. This guy's a top three quarterback. Man, he's – uh it's like him I, I think you mentioned the quarterbacks watson mahomes rogers i still think rogers is up. i know rogers russ i think of the funnest quarterbacks to watch you
3: get rogers a couple of receivers uh his stats it's that like it
2: looks much better than compared to monday night let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball yeah. man the, it went so much ravens the the, the ravens offense uh lamar jackson kind of you know he came out the gates gun blazing and now it seems like is he going to be getting 100 yards every game on the ground Against as defense as Shambach, as the Bengals, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah,
3: But against defenses, like I think – I'm interested to see how Seattle sets up because they know about RPOs. They know about design runs. Even though Russell doesn't run it as much. They're still a team. If you look at just how all, both offense up, they should be able to game plan, at least stay positionally organized to handle Lamar, even though Baltimore is just so unpredictable. But – I think Lamar has regressed a little bit as a passer, though. Uh, he has missed a couple throws. He just kind of gets a little wild. And it just in this environment with Seattle, it's going to be – we're going to see something with him because I know he's playing Arrowhead already, but it's just Seattle's right up there in terms of just hostile environments. So, and between that and – I, st- once again, Baltimore, just like can they keep relying? Because yeah, I just watched them with those three tight end sets. Like can they just keep passing to their tight ends all game long? It's working. But just when they play the top-tier teams like Seattle, is it sustainable?
2: I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it definitely is. I would say it's Seattle, Kansas City, New Orleans, and maybe Pittsburgh. Still. Minnesota. Minnesota is. In Minnesota is a tough place. I know from a betting Chicago perspective. Chicago too. From a, yeah, but Trubisky sucks. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota, from a from a betting perspective, they're a team who they cover like 80% of their games at home. Uh-huh. That's a tough place to play. And they started doing the Viking clap. Oh, Iceland. Oh. Salute to Iceland. Oh, man. Iceland, they they eliminated both teams that I bet on in the Euro Cup. Oh, sensational! Uh, what do you, what do you, who do you got in this game? Are you, you going to go with the home team?
3: I guess I got to go Seattle just because I trust that offense more. I, Baltimore, they've looked a little iffy offensively, and I don't know if that if they can't get after Wilson, Wilson, he's going to put up numbers and. And I'm gonna see if Peters plays. Ah, man! If you watch, just have DK Metcalf just boxing about. It, just there's, the, I think the matchups favor Seattle more. And I think Russell Wilson's playing at such a high level now. I'm gonna bank on Seattle.
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with you yeah. there. Very th- good
3: coaching matchup, by the way. Karen Harbaugh, two of the two, in a league where you see coaches getting fired three, four years. These two have persevered, man.
2: It's them two: Tomlin, Peyton, and – Andy Reid. Well, Belichick.
3: As far as like well, Bel- Belichick's like in the whole other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 yeah. but Harbaugh and Carol particular Harbaugh because remember, last year people thought he was gonna get fired and you know look at him he's still there. Remember there were rumors they were gonna fire him and he's like now nah, week seventeen all right we're gonna make the playoffs we can't really fire this guy he's done a really yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. like dude the guy's one of the most consistent coaches like, come on have you seen this league how hard it is to find coach, Jets. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sorry <laughs> he just gives me the
2: dirtiest look. Yeah yeah. See like, this damn guy. No, but you're right, man. You're right. Shit, even the Giants, I think they're ultimately they're gonna have to move off Pat Shermer. Like I like that he had the balls to make the move that he did with Eli Manning, but he's still not a guy that like I like Pat Shermer, but I'm still kind of with right, fair enough. Uh all right, Cowboys versus the Eagles. Um Another, another guy who's been there for mad long, and I don't understand why. Oh, well, Garrett. we don't clue. We include good coaches here. Yeah, the Clapper. That, that, that's his nickname on like, social media, the Clapper. Um, What do you make of that clip that went viral of the guys coming off the field against the Jets, and he goes to high-five them, and they kind of just leave them there? I just think, in general, they're just fed up with Jason Garrett. Like
3: I remember you heard reports last year, just in training camp, people getting tired of meetings. Like I don't know how much value we're taking Dez Bryant, but Des Bryant was talked about how like there's so much pointless meetings in Dallas. I know Dez probably bitter, and who knows, like, if he's saying the truth. But still, it just, I just, how do you get excited playing for a guy like Jason Garrett? I just don't know. I just think like people say, all right, we play in Dallas, it's cool. You know, Jerry's got us. Jerry's got us with gifts. Like, it's just playing in Dallas, it's just that environment, playing on such a national stage. that think gets you excited. Like Jason Garrett's not
2: really galvanizing anyone. Yeah, and also I think that the the Cowboys. This is a big game here, man. This is the battle for first place in the NFC East. Two teams that I'm still not selling my stock on Philly. I still like Philly. I think, I I really think they missed Deshaun Jackson. Is he coming? I should probably sub. He's not. He's not coming back this week. But in Dallas, too. He's just a cowboy killer. And I think with them, man, you know, they seem to have unleashed Miles Sanders out the backfield last week. Against Minnesota, I think that's a big threat that they could start utilizing more because Darren Sproles like cool story and whatnot, yeah. but I, I kind of think he should. They're shocked. using him on wheel
3: routes. He beat Kendrick's bad. Yeah,
2: so. and I think doesn't it? Do you feel like Alshon Jeffrey is always hurt when you see him running? Yeah, he's one of those guys. He's just hanging on, but he makes plays. Nah, he definitely he makes does. plays in traffic. yeah I got this too. But with the Eagles, man, I'm not ready to sell my stock on them um Carson Wentz is the number two quarterback according to PFF a lot of balls being intercepted that his wide receivers are dropping or um they said something on you know those next gen stats about like miss uh, timing routes how like where you where you credit the wide receiver for making the mistake it's like he's up there in the league and you know Dallas Amari Cooper is questionable I've he has gone a practice. on, yeah. I've gone on record saying that I think he's the most valuable Dallas Cowboy on that offense. You look at the splits last year; they were three and a five, and then they make the trade for Amari Cooper, and they go seven and three, no seven and one. And, right? he, and yeah, he, seven and one. I don't want to say single-handedly, but there were
3: some games in particular, that Washington game, man. dude. That man. game against the Eagles, Th- yeah, like scored where, three touchdowns in like he, the fourth quarter in he, overtime. He pretty much won it for them. Like, he just made such a drastic difference for him offensively because he could do it all. He's not just a vertical threat. He's not just a possession receiver. Like, you could put him anywhere in the formation. He's gang open. Like, in terms of route running, I think he's one of the best in the league. And this is the perfect game for him, but I don't think he's going to play. I think he's had this injury. I think it's a quad injury. It sounds pretty serious. He might miss a week or two. So, and I don't really trust Cobb. And Gallup's a solid player, but just not having those vertical threats because so, Philly really only has one big weakness. When you look at Philly, there's one glaring weakness and everything else is stout. And it's just their secondary. I'm not sure if Dallas, because it's hard to run on Philly. Philly D line. Yeah. No, their D line yeah. is no
2: joke. That system too that they have in place over there is, is is very solid. I find it funny that I saw a report that said, you know who's coming back soon, Jalen Mills, and it's like, oh, Dude, that's like you know the Covers. <laughs> Yo, there is no one. Uh, I forgot what game it was. It might have been. Uh, it might have been the 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 Falcons last year, or it was w- one of those games where. Um, Again, next gen stats where they say that when you run a double move on Jalen Mills, he's like one that's, of the worst yeah, quarters. That's corners in the league. Yeah. And uh I think I think they need to make a move for a corner, man. And you know you always talk about their GM, how he's always ready to pull us some shit. Always.
3: They would go- I know a golden team didn't work out last year, but still he's always forward thinking. Yeah, look at the moves last year again, someone like Michael Bennett the offseason and it's just he's always somehow scheming up moves. But I, there were reports saying they were pissed they didn't get Jalen Ramsey. They really, the locker room was fully convinced they are going to get Jalen Ramsey. So I don't know if Patrick Peterson's they're going to look at me, they'll look at Desmond Trufant. I just think you have to bring someone in because Darby's been a disappointment. Sidney Jones, I, this guy cannot move. I've never seen a core struggle to change the direction more than him. He just looks sloppy out there. Vontae Max was showing promise last year but hasn't done much. It's just... They're trying to bank on these guys, but no one's really making an impact. Like, Malcolm Jenkins really in an interview, He's like, if you can't man up, why are you playing for us? Look at Russell Douglas last week. Stephon Diggs was just roasting him. It's just you need someone back there. It doesn't matter how good your pass rush is. I love guys like Cox and Graham, but at some point – and Jim Schwartz, he's not a defense coordinator. Blitz is like a madman. But especially in the NFC, if you don't have corners, you're going to get eaten alive, whether it's by Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Stephon Sh- Diggs. Sh- you know, I know your team is struggling, but those guys weren't wild against them too. Yeah. Really, and Julio, so it's just that in the NFC, you need corners it, regardless of what division you're in, so for me, just I think they'll be good in this matchup, uh, in this particular game, just because Cooper's out, but at some point, Philly, if they're really going to contend for Super Bowl, they're going to need some corners, because look what Devontae, Devontae Adams, another one, look what he did in that first half, if he didn't hurt his toe, what would happen, like,
2: Cowboys in week eight have a bye, then their schedule is very very
3: they got the giants at some point right?
2: they got the giants on monday night football in week Ooh. nine sir daniel jones finally getting his weapons back have barkley ingram shepherd tate on monday night come on now oh. just saying that defense is gonna get a wake-up call when they're gonna realize that oh shit this quarterback actually could take three four steps and oh, open th- something up well i think Dallas defense already got a wake-up call from the other new york quarterback no i i know yeah. and i think yo Everyone's going to laugh, but the Jets' offense is not bad when Sam Donald's in there. It's Robbie not. Anderson.
3: It's not. Right? Not, Jameson yeah. Crowder. Can Mary
2: showed some life. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Herndon will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, all right. So they got the Giants. Then they got the Vikings at home. Then they have. Where are they? Then they have the Lions. Scrappy Lions. And then I still they have them. the Patriots. Dude! Dude. I said they were going 8-8, 8-8 in the beginning of the year, and when they started oh, off 3-0, and oh. people were losing their fucking minds. And I'm telling you, first of all, we need to let things play out, number one. Number two, I am a big believer, and I'm going to pick the Eagles in this game, that you your, your win-loss record could be misleading. Absolutely. And I just don't think they've beaten anyone good. And...
3: There's teams that start out five and zero and not make the playoffs. Land in 2015. There've been a lot of scrubby teams. I remember mean, NFC East was so bad. AFC South was bad, and then they ended up eight and eight. Like teams go off to really hot starts, but then they fade. And you know, I, I, I really think Dallas has a good roster, so that's why I'm a little surprised how badly they're playing. But. It's just coaching, man. Like Kellen Moore, kind of looks. He kind. It looks like he's coaching scared now. Because there's this whole stat about oh, you give the ball to Zeke twenty twenty five times, they're gonna win. It's just like no, it doesn't work like that.
2: I I hate that that statistic because because uh, Callahan came out the new coach for the Redskins, the interim coach. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we want to run the ball more because stats show that if you run the ball more, you're gonna win. It's like yeah, no shit, we know that, mm-hmm. right? Because you control the clock, you control pace. Running the ball means that you're probably playing with a lead. That's why you're not throwing. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe in that stuff. Like, oh, you give a guy 30 touches, he's going to. You give Zeke tw-
3: 25 touches against the Eagles, he's going to average like 3.5 yards per carry, and they're going to probably lose by 17. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Cooper is a big loss for him if he doesn't play. If Cooper I like is Michael- playing,
3: I think it would have been a more compelling matchup. Yeah. I, I, I think you could see this because Cooper's such a game record. But just between that and the Phillies' old lines, one of the best. Like, Dallas's pass rush has been a little disappointing. I, I love the Marcus Lawrence, but he hasn't. Well, they just time.
2: lost Crawford, too, for the year. Right? Yeah, yeah,
3: that's yeah. a loss. And I think Van Der Esch and Smith haven't played that well this year. It's just guys that you expect to play at a high level, like the core of Dallas' defense. Because Dallas was like a top, at least top 10 defense last year. Like Dallas' defense was stout last year. Now, I don't know, Byron Jones is having that great of a season. The guys you expect to play at elite level aren't doing that, so that's another concern. But, yeah, I'm going with Philly here. Besides the obvious coaching <laughs> discrepancy between Doug Peterson and, and the Clapper himself, uh, I just think Dallas right now, the, the guys you expect to be playing at high level aren't doing it, and just the loss of Cooper. And even Dak looks a little rather. I love Dak as a quarterback, but just. Yeah, you love him? I'm a big for Dak fan. I think he gets a hard rep. I I think look at look at my drops by the way I think Dallas leads the league both teams actually tie for most drops yeah, yeah so I think Dak I would love to see him with a real coach but unfortunately like I said you put Dak in in um L A I think he's a MVP candidate I think McVay can make him into MVP but right now I just right now Dallas just seems they're in a the free fall and Philly even though there are some flaws there you just know Philly they're gonna deliver it's every year you there's, that's one of the teams that you could count on them in like Seattle you know they're gonna bring in a big time game.
2: You know what's funny? I, I just realized that Dak, Wentz, and Golf are all in the same class. And it's like Wentz was the first guy up. Actually, no. Golf. Well, no no. I I know the order, it was golf, but what I'm saying is like actually Dak had the best rookie year, right? So people were talking him up. Year two, Wentz wins well, should have won MVP. Yeah. Year three, it's golf. Mm-hmm. Now it's like Dak comes out the gates, guns blazing. Golf has kind of fallen off a cliff. Carson Wentz has kind of been like steady, a 5 on a 1 to 10. It's like he's kind of just been there.
3: But he hasn't had that big blow moment. I thought he played really well against Green Bay. The issue was it's just I think they had so many teams skied wide open. like There were just so many touchdowns. Like, wow, what a play
2: call by Doug Pierce. It wasn't necessarily a great throw by Wentz. So w- Wentz was- is a prime example right now of the fantasy era where he's, he's playing really well, but he's not putting up 400 yards, four right. touchdowns, and he doesn't have – you know, 17 touchdowns like some of the other guys has. You know, PFF has him as a number two quarterback yeah. in football. He's been very efficient. He yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, but all right,
3: um, going Philly. I don't think we have one difference this week. We went New Orleans, Seattle, and Philly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a dud of a week. I uh, like. I like some of the matchups, but you know, I'm actually very intrigued by this Monday night football game. Oh, okay, okay. I'm very intrigued. What do you think, sir? What's we got uh Monday night gangrene. Jessica like Well, they're they're like a nine nine point underdog. I think I am
3: just see Darnold against that second there because I think the Patriots have the best second there in the league. Let's see what Adam Gase and those receivers could you know come up with. Hey man,
2: it's uh, it's gonna be fun. I think br- Brady's gonna
3: light up that defense though, man. Yeah, yeah.
2: Damn, that's foul. My, my son <laughs> Jamal Adams back there running wild. He's
3: playing very well. Yeah. yeah. C.J. Moe's coming back, but come on, I, I just think Tom Brady against Greg Williams. Greg Williams is going to throw his wild blitz. He's like, all right, Rex Burka, James
2: White, right there. Boom. Julian Edelman, Crosser, bang. Man, they've had a long time to prepare for that game, too. They played on last Thursday. They have, yeah. Oh, Patriots by 30. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Scratch the last two minutes of that conversation. All right, Allen, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Allen underscore Stirk. That's A-L-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. If you're a Falcons fan, number one, I pray for you. Number two, check out Alan's stuff, man. He's sensational. Even prior to him joining the show, I always loved the, the the film review that he was doing for
3: them. I'll be covering uh, Falcons Rams this weekend, which I expect a very angry Rams team. I expect Aaron Donald to have like 13 hurries, eight hits, and like three sacks. But, eh, whatever. I'm I'm excited to watch the Rams. But yeah, it's very hard to get up for Falcon games these days. The team couldn't. I don't think there's many teams that need more of a makeover more than the Falcons do at the moment.
2: Very fun uh, fantasy aspect that game.
3: Oh, well, damn. Julio versus Ramsey. I just, yeah, because it looks like Ramsey's going to play. So, and they have no corners right now. So, you assume Ramsey, they're going to put him on Julio. So, that is at least one fun matchup. But it's just, I don't know. The Falcons are just, they're just a slog to watch yeah. right now. Defense is just embarrassing. Not to vent right now. Just defense is embarrassing. The offense, yeah, they'll put up numbers. But it's just, they got to score at least 30 to be competitive at this point. That's the kind of position they're in. So,
2: yeah, there it is at the lamb Show is where you can find me at veterans minimum is the twitter and instagram handle if you guys want hats or shirts dm either the twitter or the instagram for veterans minimum as far as i go you can find me at the lamb show on all social media outlets as well patreon.com slash veterans minimum we are running a cool contest for the month of november make sure you get in there in the month of october for it some nice fun prizes and I think one of you, the winner of that November contest, will be able to join the show as a guest spot. So tune into that. Check out the Patreon. A lot of fun stuff. And we will catch you guys next week. Also, also, I just remembered. If you haven't checked out the Eastern Conference NBA preview over under win total, I had Impey. Impey was back on with me. My buddy Marco. We broke down the Eastern Conference. Monday's episode. It's already up if you're a Patreon member. Go check that out. The Western Conference preview is up already. And that'll be dropping on Monday. So stay tuned. A lot of fun stuff coming up and we'll catch you guys next week.